right, Senator, we're going to dive right in. Uh, it is a big day in D.C., a lot of border nonsense, bipartisan. I've, I've started to think that bipartisan just means we're all getting screwed. Is that kind of <laughs> uh, that's typically, That's typically what happens around here. But it's great to be in your new studio. You guys yeah. have gone uptown on us, you know. Look at this. We're doing all right. Somebody's got to save free speech in this town. You're, you're doing your part on the Senate side, yeah. and we're doing our part on the tech side. Typically in Washington, if it's called bipartisan, or if you look at the name and it says patriotic, yeah. it's usually the opposite. So right. it's not going to be any good, and it's been concocted in secret. This one was even worse than, than, than typical. It wasn't a bipartisan gang, which does doesn't sound very good. But this time it was a gang of one. McConnell assigned one Republican to go negotiate with the Democrats. And he got his clock cleaned on the negotiations and came out with a bill. I love Chris Murphy's response. Chris Murphy's explaining how great this bill. And he says, the border never closes. It's like, really? This This is what you're bragging about this great border bill? The border never closes? And that's the extraordinary thing. It was going to let 5,000 people a day come in, and then we're going to take extraordinary measures on the illegal crossings, where we were going to let them all come through the ports. No matter what number comes through, the ports would never close. All right, there's there's so much here. It's so crazy. So basically, uh, so five, you're signing a bill, and well, I know you're not signing it, but they wanted to push through a bill that was going to basically allow for 5,000 illegals a day before it triggered anything. Right. We know the border's, in essence, been open already. Right. Uh, and they combine it with a zillion other things that have nothing to do with And border. in some ways, this may be worse than the existing law. Under the existing law, it says that the president may allow migrants asylum. He doesn't have to. In fact, we believe the president has the power not to allow. May means you might. It doesn't mean you have to. It doesn't say shall. But now that they're defining the first 4,000 as in this category of may or shall, and then he shall do something after a certain number, it sounds as if they're codifying that the first four or 5,000 are, hey, free. You don't have to do right. anything about it. Whereas now we think the law reads that the president may at the first person that comes in may stop migrant asylum just because, hey, we're full, we got too many, and we're just not taking anymore right now. We think that's what the law says. So this law would actually take a step towards normalizing the first four to 5,000 but even the rules after the first four or five thousand day, which is 1.8 million a year, after 1.8 million a year, the rules aren't very uh, strong. They give the discretion to Mayorkas, who, uh, oh, that's right, they're impeaching Mayorkas. They're giving right. the discretion to Mayorkas. Meanwhile, the Biden campaign is cutting the razor wire and removing the cargo containers that are essentially a wall on the border. So like, oh, we're going to trust them. We're going to negotiate with them and trust them to use new power when they're right now using their power to disrupt the border wall. So when you saw what Texas did and what Greg Abbott did, and obviously the Supreme Court decision 5-4, they can't do anything, but Texas goes ahead and does it. 25, I think, 25 Republican governors have signed on to this. DeSantis is sending a National Guard. States rights guy, like, this is kind of what you want to happen, I suppose, right? Yeah. They really should work in concert. The federal government should be backing them up. But the states do have a role in this. And many people have said all along, yeah, the states, of course, have a, a role in, in having a border. See, I think the way this would work and the, the way this with a strong leader would end in a couple of weeks is everybody would be sent back. You come across the river, you're just, they put you in a little boat and take you right back across. It doesn't have to be a trial. You don't deserve to be in the United States for 10 years with a ticket for a court date 10 right, years from now. Right, their solution is more judges. Yeah, 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 more judges, more camps, and actually more money for sanctuary cities. Everything for Democrats, every compromise with Democrats involves more money. Mm-hmm. But I think people shouldn't lose sight of the main part of this bill, which is $60 billion to Ukraine, who just got caught yesterday stealing another $40 million worth of our weapons and reselling them to God knows who. 
So I'm against the Ukraine aid because I think borrowing the money, spending over, this bill would be $115 billion total, $60 billion to, to Ukraine. That makes us weaker. It weakens our national security to go further in debt. When you see them put these bills together, and I've asked you this before, but since you're one of the few guys who works in the government who actually understands how the government was set up to work in the first place, when you see them combine these things, okay, we're combining 60 billion of Ukraine aid with the border and some other things. Um, uh, do you try to ever tell people, mm -hmm. hey, maybe we could separate these things, vote on one thing at a time? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's also true on things with immigration. I'm actually not against immigration. I'm actually for uh, yeah, more lawful immigration, but it would need to be these little narrow bills. Instead, they say, well, yeah, we'll increase employment-based or work-based visas, but only if you give the 18 million people who are already here the right to vote. And I was like, Look, I'm, I'm pretty open on this issue. I would give work permits, even to those who came here illegally. I'd probably give some work permits, but I'm not giving them the right to vote, mm -hmm. and we're not going to make that trade. So we've stayed at a standstill for the 12 years I've been here. No immigration changes have happened, even though I think some incremental things could be improved. None of it happens because the Democrats say all or nothing, comprehensive or nothing. And comprehensive for them means all 18 million people here illegally get to vote, and I'm not for that. What do you think the Democrats' intentions are here? Like, what do you think Biden or whoever's driving Biden at this point, what do you think the intentions are from all the videos we see at the border and the amount of people flooding? Everything through? about immigration is about power politics. It has nothing to do with the individuals. They don't, uh, there's, there's no sort of compassion. If you talk to these people, do you care about the little kids coming across, what might happen to teenage girls coming across? They don't care yeah. about that. All they care about is votes. Mm -hmm. Their whole goal is to take Texas. They've been trying to take Texas for 20 years. The only way they take Texas is let's legalize a couple of million people here illegally and let them vote. The sooner the better. That's why they can't wait till their kids grow up to vote because their kids actually might like America and start liking American <laughs> ways, right. become successful, enter the middle class, become rich, and all of a sudden say, wow, America's great. I don't want to have Mexico over here. I want to have a, I want to be part of this American dream. But if you let people vote immediately, particularly if millions come across, they come across with their own agenda. And you got to wonder, I mean, you see these people flying into Mexico City from China, well-dressed, designer clothes, $1,000 cell phone, snapping selfies of themselves as they come across the border. Very few women, very few children. Yeah. And the thing is, is they'll eventually, once they can get normalized, they'll bring in the rest of their family. Um, or are they here for nefarious purposes? I just want to jump back to, to your philosophy on immigration because libertarians tend to be a little bit more pro-legal right. immigration or having more workers here. There seems to be a little divide on the right right now between kind of the big tech guys, guys like Elon Musk, David right. Sachs, who are kind of more into, okay, we should bring some of these people illegally. And now there's this sort of like, I guess the MAGA side of it, which is just shut down the border right. and figure it out. There, there's people lose sight of the fact that about a million come a year. That's what comes in, about a million legally and lawfully. And uh, if you stop that, if you're a restrictionist and you say, we want a half a million next year, guess what? No houses are going to be built. They, they do a lot of work in our country, a lot of migrant workers. And I'm also of the opinion of this, and this is where I think attitude makes a difference that the Republican Party is ever going to grow. I think some of the best Americans just got here. I, ha I know many first-generation Americans. I live in a town, a small town in Kentucky. We have people from Bosnia. We have people from Burma. We have, and there's a question of how many is too many, mm -hmm. but at the same time, they're good people. They own restaurants. Uh, one of the most successful people in our town now is Bosnian and has a trucking company. Mm. Uh, so they're, they're good people working hard, and we need to value that. If we as Republicans sort of have this, oh, everybody's bad, all, you know, everybody from foreign lands is evil, 
which I think is some some ways uh, the way Republicans are depicting themselves. I think there is a danger to that. And of the million, I think we could probably bring in 1.5 million. But I don't want another half a million people right, flooding across the border. I, and I would make it work-based. So I have a bill to double the amount of employment-based visas. These are employment uh, EB1 through 5. And uh, five I'm a big fan of. It's if you've got a million dollars and you want to come to the U.S., we take your million bucks and you start a business and hire people and you can come in. Who wouldn't want rich people to come to our country? So what, would, what do you want, basically, to happen from now to, say, the election when potentially we could have an administration flip and then um, things are a little more immediate. Uh, the, the bottom line is this needs to be a debate about enforcing the current law, not changing the law. The changes, I think, uh, codify and sort of say to everybody, it's okay to bring in 1.8 million a year. That bill's dead and I hope it goes nowhere. Yeah. Now, um, until then, we'll debate why doesn't the president use the current law on the border? But there's another debate that shouldn't be lost in this and won't go away. And that's why should we send $60 billion to Ukraine? Um, and now we've got the speaker, and I had high hopes for well, the speaker. What's the argument for it when you talk to your colleagues that are for it at this point? Because you've, oh. been, you've been against it the entire time. I um, had you on when you were just saying, can we just get some receipts? How about you guys just let us know what we're paying for, and yeah. you couldn't even get well, that. Well, at least let us know what they're stealing. Right. You know, I mean, if you're going to steal <laughs> right. a certain percent, at least let us investigate what's right. being stolen. Um, no, the thing is, is it's a judgment call. Which do you think is more in our national interest or more in our national security uh, benefit? Is it fighting a war and continuing that war to be fought or allowing it to come to a negotiated settlement? I think coming to a negotiated settlement is better for our national security. But I also think the number one threat to our national security is our debt. We're accumulating debt. In uh, about three months ago, we were accumulating about a trillion dollars every three months over $300 billion. There are people saying that it's so out of control that the debt problem really is our number one national security threat. So I'm not for borrowing more money, but I'm really disappointed in the speaker. The speaker starts out his speakership. What's the first bill he passed? 14 billion for Israel, paid for. I said, okay, I can support that. I actually supported it in the Senate, paid for. Take it away from the IRS if you're gonna give it to Israel. But now he's negotiating with himself. He's now saying, oh, I'm gonna pass Israel aid without any pay for, and I'm not for that. It's like. Why do that? You've passed it. Tell the Senate they need to step up and do something. Uh, tell the Senate, why won't you pass it and pay for it? Uh, what do you think the reason is? Because I think a lot of people are wondering. The that, Democrats right? hate to pay for things, yeah. but they're, the Republicans are buckling. And so Johnson is hearing all these voices and he's buckling. And actually, Israel hasn't even been clamoring for another $14 billion. They got $3.5 billion last year. They get a lot of money from us every year. And the thing is, is having it paid for and having any foreign aid paid for, any new foreign aid paid for, by a reduction in spending at the IRS, wow, that's that should be a win. Right, right. And a lot of this IRS money, the Democrats are already uh, willing to trade it for other things. And so I think it's a big mistake for the Speaker. I'm very disappointed that he's now going to pass a new bill, unpo- unpaid for aid to Israel, instead of saying, stick to your guns. Right. But Biden's saying if they do a clean bill on that, he's going to veto it, which is Good. Let, let's Bizarre see. for a Democrat. Yeah, but, okay. I, I, I would love to see the day when yeah. President Biden vetoes aid to Israel. Right. No let's, way. Let's talk about this book for a second. I, I had you on and we discussed it. I think we're in the I think, unfortunately, we're in the, a bit of a minority at the moment of people who still want it, a reckoning for some of the people that did this to this country. Uh, do you think there's going to be any reckoning? Do you think Fauci will maybe have his uh, what does he get, 400 grand a year still for yeah. the rest of his life? Could we get some of that the, back? The, the, the main thing to me is a reckoning, but the reckoning is, and this is the purpose of the book, Deception, is to make sure everybody understands all of the facts and all of the evidence that uh, lead us to believe it came from the lab. 
And the reason is this could happen again. Mm -hmm. So sure, I'd love for Fauci to go to jail. He's committed a felony. He lied to Congress. That is a felony. And if you were in the Trump administration or a political appointee of Trump, they'd put him in jail because they'll do it. And the law swings one way, apparently. But the thing is, is the book's point is also not just for uh, retribution against those who broke the law, but it's to set the predicate for a reform. This this research still goes on, not mm-hmm. just in Wuhan, China. It goes on in the United States. And we've had a, a great amount of difficulty getting information. In fact, in my office the other day, I met with someone that we, we mentioned in the book. A, uh, he was a major at the time. He's a lieutenant colonel in the Marines. He revealed the study from DARPA that wasn't funded, but that shows that the Chinese and American scientists were wanting to create a virus that looks just like COVID-19 in 2018. And not one of these scientists stepped forward to say, oh, my goodness, it looks like they did what, what, what they were trying to do. Nobody stepped forward and said, wow, this looks like it probably came from the lab because this is what they already told us they wanted to do. Not one of the American scientists stepped forward. And the book goes through all of these details, the cover-up, and really there was an organized cover-up, including and led by Anthony Fauci, Francis Collins, and a dozen other scientists and they really did things that scientists don't normally do. They started pointing fingers and saying, you're a conspiracy theorist mm-hmm. if you believe this came from the lab. And it well, turns Fauci out- was literally sending emails to friends saying masks don't work while he was telling us to mask. Virtually everything he said in private was fairly accurate and true, and virtually everything he said in public was a lie. Are, are, you, shocked as, <laughs> are, are you shocked as a physician that the level of nonsense that you have to deal with when you're, when you're interrogating these guys? It's amazing to me. So before this became politicized, you know, they used to talk about pandemics. They've been talking about the potential pandemic for 20, 30 years or more. And when they would, they would examine things to do. They never once talked about masks because they all knew masks didn't work. Never once did they think that a respiratory or aerosolized virus that you catch uh, through the respiratory system, that masks would work. And then all of a sudden they're doing it. And then they're finally saying, well, maybe they don't work, but they're kind of a talisman. And they're kind of your, you're just not a polite person yeah. if you're not willing to wear a mask. Right. Show that you care about people. And it's like, well, why don't I care more about them if I wear earmuffs and goggles? Would that really convince them I care even more about the virus, even right. though they make no sense? Um, and then finally, when the evidence is out there and accumulated, Cochrane analysis, 78 randomized controlled studies, masks don't work, all the state comparisons, California to Florida, all of that, school comparisons, they don't work. They had no evidence of any kind of uh, decrease in the spread of this. And yet the other side's like, oh, well... No, no. All right. I got one more for you because I know you're tight on time, which is, are you hopeful at least after everything we have learned about COVID after the last few years of just everyone now seeing the border nonsense, just so much craziness from our government that if the next pandemic or when the next pandemic comes, that more people will have woken up to the ideas of liberty and freedom and won't mm-hmm. just lock themselves down and, and abide by More people have woken up the and there's a question of which way we go. Yeah. Will people resist enough? that we gain our freedoms and government won't go further? Or will the government take the advice of people like Anthony Fauci, who loved what China did and said, if we could only be Mm -hmm. China, in other words, flog people in the streets, have people in white suits, weld them and seal them into their, or medically seal them into their apartment. That's the question is which way we'll go. Now, I will say that even though the government went the wrong way on almost all of this, the lockdowns and the coercion, the one thing that was encouraging is the internet and people, people on Rumble who resisted, the movement became big enough that we actually for the first time voted against a mandate on vaccines. In Congress, we ended the vaccine mandate for the military. And every day I meet people who were resisting, some of them were 16 years into the military, some were 19 years in, 
And because of their beliefs and wanting their own medical choice, were willing to give up their entire career not to take the vaccine and have one at least uh, F-35 pilot that uh, uh, by voting on this and getting it changed, he was able to save his career because he was willing to leave and not be vaccinated. And either way, you live in Kentucky and I live in Florida, so we'll be okay. All Thanks, right. Senator. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.